Welcome to the podcast for First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights. In this series, Genesis, A New Perspective, we are trying to breathe fresh life into this ancient text that lays the foundation for the Christian Bible. Each week, we will be exploring different ways that these Genesis stories impact us and the world around us and our ways of understanding God. I hope you enjoy. Our second lesson for today comes from the book of Genesis. We continue our study of Genesis and Abraham. We've skipped one chapter where there were a number of battles that took place with seven or eight different kings, and Lot, who is the nephew of Abraham, was taken into captivity. We pick up Abraham's story in chapter 14. Listen for the word of God to you. After his return from the defeat of Chedarlamar and the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Shava, that is, the king, the king's valley. And King Melchizedek of Salem brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God Most High. He blessed him, saying, Blessed be Abraham by God Most High, maker of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hands. And Abram gave him one-tenth of everything. Then the king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me the persons, but take the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have sworn to the Lord God Most High, maker of heaven and earth, that I would not take a thread or a sandal thong or anything that is yours, so that you might say, I have made Abram rich. I will take nothing but what the young men have eaten and the share of the men who went with me, Anner, Ashtel, and Mamre. Let them Take their share. Holy wisdom, holy word, God's word for us this day. Thanks be to God. It is a wonderful and mysterious relationship that we have with God. There are times of ultimate closeness and a real sense that the holy is in our midst. And there are also times of bone-dry silence. No movement of Holy Spirit air, no presence of peace or assurance, just a wandering through what feels like a very dry, dry desert with no clear direction. We've experienced both of these sides of God. And so I ask you, where is it that you find God? Where is it that you find your relationship with Jesus Christ? In contrast to what I was taught when I was a child, this church building that we're in right now, this is not God's house. Well, what what I want to say to you is that this is not the only place where God resides But yet we continue to teach this to our children, don't we? This is the house of the Lord. Happy was I when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. 
And so it's not surprising to us that when I say to you, where do you find God, as adults, you still may give the answer of, I find God in the church on Sunday mornings for one hour. But friends, I'm here to tell you that like Elvis, God has left the building. Now, I'm not saying that God is not present here with us today. God is. But God is not only here in the church. I said earlier this morning that God is not in the rafters of the organ pipes. But then I hear the organ that Chris just played, and I take in the depth of the music that has just been sung, and I think, it does take my breath away. And maybe God is in the presence of those organ pipes. I say to you that God is not present in the senior high Sunday school room waiting to connect with those youth every Sunday morning when they gather for Sunday school. But maybe God is there too. God is not only there. God is everywhere. And that's the lesson for us to take away from this morning's scripture that we do and will continue to meet God in the most unexpected places, through unexpected people and events and encounters. For example, this morning, Abraham receives a blessing from this little-known king, King Melchizedek. He's grateful that Abraham has brought this battle that has been going on for some time, that Abraham was the one who was able to bring it to an end. But from what we can tell, we don't know if Abraham really even had a relationship with Melchizedek. There's no evidence of it. So it's safe for us, I think, to come to the conclusion that it's not that Abraham was defending the reign of King Melchizedek. He felt no loyalty or sovereignty to this king or to this particular nation of the Canaanites. But Abram was thrust into the midst of someone else's battle. Abraham went into the midst of this battle to bring a peaceful solution because he wanted his son, his nephew, Lot, to be able to return from captivity. And he was successful in that. Abraham brings home his nephew Lot, Lot's flocks, the people of Lot, and his extended family. And King Melchizedek goes to meet him in the Valley of the Kings to offer him thanks and praise. And yet we don't really know how Abraham receives this expression of thanksgiving. We don't know if he's humbled or if he's exasperated or if he feels great pride in the blessing that the king offers him. We do know that Melchizedek takes the risk of leaving the palace walls, the protection and the safety of his household, to go out into the open valley where anyone could attack or be with them. Now, Melchizedek has a dual role. He is both the king of the Canaanites and also the high priest, the high priest of God Most High which is not unusual for this time. This leader of the Canaanites was both king and high priest, both a religious leader and a political leader. 
so eager to express his appreciation for the peace that has come to the land, what does Melchizedek take with him out to the valley to give to Abram? Bread and wine. Bread and wine. Very ordinary things, but in this particular place, take on new and holy and significant meaning. Ordinary bread. It comes in every size and shape and different flavors even. But when it is combined with a blessing, it takes on a new meaning for us. So I wonder if this might be one place where you too have met the holiness of God. In that moment when you walk down this aisle or you pass the plate from one friend to another and say, this is the body of Christ broken for you. You look into the eyes of your sister in Christ and in the tearing of the bread, ordinary bread, something very mysterious happens and you now find yourself in the very presence of God. This is what happens when we take mere bread but give it a moment of incredible holiness. And in the giving and receiving of blessings, have you noticed that relationships are formed? Before, when Melchizedek and Abram had no relationship, now they have received and shared a blessing with one another, and they are in relationship. In this exchange, they become connected and bonded to one another. And for each of us, it is impossible for us to offer a genuine blessing on one another unless we are in relationship with one another. Melchizedek blessed Abraham, saying, Blessed be the God most high, maker of heaven and earth. And then he offers a second blessing. Did you hear it? Not on Abraham, but a blessing to God. And blessed be the God Most High, who has allowed you to reign over your enemies. Do you offer blessings to God? I still remember the first time I noticed, it probably was not the first time I heard, but the first time I noticed, that a pastor leading worship was offering a blessing on God. I found myself thinking, that is unusual. Why would God need our blessing? We're just mere humans. The sovereign and holy God above does not need our blessing. It felt all wacky to me. But really what we're doing when we offer a blessing on God is not making ourselves higher than God, but offering up our praise and our worship of Yahweh. So I tell you, it is always appropriate for us to offer praise and a blessing to be on God. This two-part blessing that happens, blessing of Abraham and a blessing on God above, creates a three-way relationship between God, Abraham, and King Melchizedek. And that's what happens whenever we're in a moment of holy intersection when God becomes present between two who are in relationship. God shows up in the most unexpected places. And I wonder if you might have heard a news story this week that was on ABC News. There was a young mother 
who was preparing for an airplane ride, two and a half hours it would be, where she was taking her toddler who was autistic. Now this, for anyone who is a parent or grandparent traveling with a child on a long airplane ride, this can create some anxiety. It certainly requires extra planning and packing. What will I take to keep my child occupied? Do I have the right nook and the right bottle so that when their ears pop, they're not in too much pain? Do I have enough to keep them occupied? And what will I do when they cry? Because the person sitting next to us on the airplane is probably not going to be too pleased that their random seat selection just happened to put them next to a toddler or an infant. Maybe in your own flights, you've experienced that time when... Someone sees, oh, crap. Look, I get the seat that's next to the crying infant. And even while the carry-on bags are being shoved into the overhead compartment, the baby continues to wail unconsolably. So we can, we've seen people who've responded in that way with disdain in their face, and they turn their shoulder to the other way, hoping to avoid the whole situation. But this new story presented for us a moment when I believe it might have been God present in this man and how he chose to react. A businessman, he'd come with his laptop and his files, and he had them out already working on them. But then when the mother and her daughter sat down, he closed his laptop, put his files away, and engaged with this wonderful little girl who was eager to show him all her ninja turtles. So they played together for two and a half hours. And he told her stories, and she called him Daddy. And they looked at the pictures of his pet on his laptop, and she had the most successful airplane trip she had ever had. Her mother, so incredibly grateful, posted on this on her blog, thanking the man named Daddy, who sat in seat 16C. The blog made its way back to him within just hours. And he said, you know, I I just did what I felt I needed to do. In that moment, you may say, this really wasn't God present. It was a man offering compassion and caring. But isn't that how God works in the world? God needs each one of us to be that face of compassion that's willing to put our own lives on hold to meet the needs of another. The intersection and the blessing of two people who were not related, now through a blessing of God, have given each other moments of peace. I also recall this week when it was clear to me that God was present in a most hurtful and challenging time. At a former church that I was serving, I was offering pastoral counseling with a woman who was in a very troubled marriage. And very fearful, she had been in prayer for many, many months, asking for God's direction on what way she should take her life. I was home one day doing gardening, and the phone rang, and I answered it and fell immediately to my knees as I heard my pastor colleague say to me what had happened. This woman went into her garage and found her estranged husband there. With a gun in his hand, he took the gun and shot her in the face. You can imagine that the width of a garage is not very far away. And then he killed himself. But I believe miraculously the hand of God was there and present with her. 
As the bullet entered her mouth and went up through her nasal cavity and came out by the corner of her eye, she did not lose her vision or her speech. She was able to heal. Yes, she needed many surgeries. And there was deep and significant emotional pain. But I felt like the hand of God reached up and blocked so that as that bullet moved, her life was protected. God is present at amazing and mysterious moments in our lives. And she gives thanks to God every day for her life and the safety of her children and the way that God and friends are present for her in her life. Holy moments. Holy intersections. From the very serious to perhaps now the ridiculous, I've had moments when I walk my dog, Filbert. He's just a 30-pound mutt that we got at the rescue shelter. He's a great dog. He loves, loves people. He does not play well with other dogs. He barks way too much, protecting his territory, I guess. But when I take him for a walk, I remember this moment when I was absolutely struck. And it felt to me like God was hitting me upside the head saying, pay attention to this. When I walk Filbert, he thinks that he has all the freedom in the world because he can take the leash out pretty long, right? And so he feels that he's also directing our course, and sometimes he is. When we get to the corner, we let him choose. Do you want to go right or left or straight? So this freedom that he has, he chooses the course, he goes where he wants, he chooses the speed with which he moves. When he needs to slow down and sniff everything in the world, when I wish he would just hurry up and keep on moving... And then there are times when there are squirrels going up and down the trees, and I think for sure he's going to stop there, and he misses it. I think that that's how my life is with God sometimes. I like to believe that I have freedom of will, and God does love us so deeply that we are given freedom of choice. God gives me a long leash to go out on, and I think that I have choice over which direction I'm going to turn at the end of the road. But when there is something coming that is in danger's way, I also know that God's going to pull back on the leash and keep me safe, just like I do with Filbert when there's a car coming in the way. God also probably becomes impatient with me, for God knows I speed along too fast and also probably spend too much time focusing on things that are not important. But I'm incredibly grateful that as much as I go this life on my own, that God holds me tenderly on God's leash, leads me in God's own ways and paths, and keeps me safe. So like Abraham that had this chance encounter with King Melchizedek, someone he didn't know who offered him a blessing, There was a moment of God presence there. I encourage you all to think deeply this week about where you have had God moments. Where is it that you have felt and seen the holy? Is it through music or art? 
Is it through the glance that you someone's eyes that you catch on the street or a word of compassion that someone says to you? Or are you, in fact, being called by God right now to be that God moment for someone else? God will meet us in the most unexpected of places. It just requires us to have our hearts open, our eyes open, and our ears open. So friends, let us all be more attentive to the amazing and mysterious intersections of where God meets us in this world. Amen. Thanks for listening. And if you want to learn more about First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights, please visit www.fpcah.org for more information on service times, directions, and to learn more about the First Pres family of faith.